Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian. Yes, sir. Halloween, man. What you think? What you think? Oh, man, you know how it is. It's the <laughs> witching hour. <laughs> <laughs> You know, man, I remember coming to the door when they want candy and trick or treat. <laughs> yeah, man, I remember when I was little, we used to do a lot of things, man. But a lot of things these kids are doing right now, man, we didn't do that. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't have the guts to to do a lot of the things the kids are doing. I, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that tonight too. But <laughs> <laughs> running through the graveyard, I mean, your older brother's taking you through the graveyard and. And when you get in there, it's almost dark, and they just run off and leave you. Oh, so yeah. you're the smallest one. But, but see, that kind of stuff didn't happen to me because when when people wanted to do that, see, I went around. It, I, I didn't mind going the longer way to get around to where I wanted to go. Yeah. I wasn't crazy. I wasn't I wasn't walking through the graveyard and laying beside graves and and saying <laughs> and doing all these crazy things. See that? I, I wasn't about that. Yeah. You can call me a scary cat if you want, but it's just certain things I didn't mess with. I just didn't play with that kind of stuff. You know, Greg, I, I think you could just say that I was probably just as crazy as they were because, you know, being, I was always like one of the youngest in the group. You know, my brothers and all his friends, and I would hang out with them, and I would always tag along, and they'd have me doing crazy stuff. You know, I can remember when I was little, and my mom, if you're listening, don't kill my brother when you see him. And don't kill my uncles either. But <laughs> they used to have, on Halloween, when my parents would go, you know, my parents would be gone and, you know, we'd be at the house with them, with my older uncles or whatever, or my uncles were still, they'd have us do crazy stuff like jump off the roof. And, you know, especially during Halloween, they'd have us run down the street in our underwear. So they said, if you don't do it, Bloody Mary's going to get you. <laughs> you know, and I can remember, I can remember laying down in the graveyard next to those graves oh, see, and counting the ten. Oh no, see that kind of <laughs> no, see that kind of stuff right there. Nah, that 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 would that that just don't work with me. That mm-hmm. didn't work with me when I was younger. And that's not working with me now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not afraid. I just don't mess with that kind of stuff. I'll just say it like that. <laughs> But you know what, Brian, today all around town, man, I saw people celebrating this. this I don't say it's a holiday. They were celebrating today as if it were, uh, what can I say? They were celebrating this day. I saw people dressed in women's clothing, men dressed in women's clothing. I saw women dressed in men's clothing. I saw people uh, painted up as if they were dead. I saw people walking around as if they were devil, and I, I mean, I saw a mixture of just about everything, but you know what I didn't see, Brian? Yeah, I'm listening. I didn't see anyone dressed up as Jesus. <laughs> I didn't see anyone dressed up as one of the disciples. I didn't see anyone dressed up representing anything in the Bible. Now, I saw the little kids, some of the kids had wings on their backside. I guess they were dressed up as angels. But I didn't see anyone dressed up as Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you haven't figured it out, tonight's show is about the history of Halloween, Holy Ghost or Spook. Hmm. And our call-in number, if you want to call and chime in on uh, tonight's topic, it's 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And, Brian, I think, I think, I think it's safe for, for us to say this. I'll say this about this show. We're not attacking anyone's faith or what another person believes. We're talking about what we believe. Right, right. And if a person is offended by what we believe, we can't help that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know who my maker is. Yes. I don't. I don't give with that. There's, there's no. There's no lateral movement with that. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't ease up on that. I'm just stating what I believe. Right. 
you know, Greg, I can I can concur with you in that. You know, I I don't have a problem with the kids getting the candy because normally what we do is we'll go to church on Halloween or if there's a local church that's celebrating, you know, because usually what, what the churches have done now, and it's interesting, that what the churches have done now, they've taken this celebration and incorporated it into their ministry. Mm-hmm. So they usually want the kids to come there. That way they can preach Christ to them. Right. And so that's what we've done for the last couple of years. We, You know, I might take them to two or three houses in the neighborhood, and then they'll go to church. You know, just so they can say, we walked to a couple houses and got some candy. But I always take them to places that I know, like the friend's house. I take them to my cousin's house or whoever, let them get some candy, and then we go over to church. You know, and I was actually encouraging others, instead of taking your kids out to walk the streets at night, take take them to church. You know, that's the best place they can be. And as I was reading about the history of Halloween, it was very interesting that that is exactly how the church responded to it from back in its origins. And uh, right now I'm just going to read a little bit. You can actually find this online at history.com. But it talks about ancient origins, and it says Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Sowing. It says the Celts, who lived 2,000 years ago in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st. So their new year chimed in November 1st. It says this day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter a time of the year that was often associated with human death. See, back then they didn't have any uh, heat pumps on their air conditioning units to stay warm. And so a lot of people would die over the winter because of cold and because it was very cold, especially with, you know, Ireland being so high up in the, you know, on the earth towards the the northern equator, I mean the northern uh, hemisphere and towards uh, the Arctic Circle. It says... Celts believe that on the night before the new year, the boundary between world, the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred. On the night of October 31st, they celebrated sowing, when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead returned to earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it, made it easier for the Druids or Celtic priests to make predictions about the future, for a people entirely depended, depended on the volatile nature of the natural world, these prophecies were an important source of comfort and direction during the long, dark winter. So basically, they celebrated their New Year, and their New Year's Eve, which is October 31st, they believed that the ghosts of dead people would come back to the earth. Hmm. So that was part of what they celebrated, and that was part of their their you know pagan celebration, because they they said to commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacred bonfires where people gathered to burn crops and animals as as sacrifices to the Celtic deities. During the celebration, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. When the celebration was over, they relit their hearth fires, which they had extinguished earlier that evening, from the sacred bonfire to protect them during the coming winter. So this was a celebration that started out with the Celts, and it was a celebration to their god. It says, by A.D. 43, Romans had conquered the major Celtic, a majority of the Celtic territory. In the course of 400 years that they ruled the Celtic lands, two festivals of Roman origin were combined with the traditional Celtic celebration of Sowing. The first was Feralia, a day in late October when Romans traditionally commemorated the passing of the dead. The second was a day was, was a day to honor Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. The symbol of Pomona is an apple, is the apple, and the incorporation of this celebration into Sowing probably explains the tradition of bobbing for apples that is practiced today on Halloween. Ah, see, now we're getting more into the history of what, you know, of, of Halloween and how it runs. 
So it says by the 1800s, I'm sorry, by the 800s, the influence of Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands. In the 7th century, Pope Boniface IV designated November 1st All Saints Day, a time to honor saints and martyrs. It is widely believed today that the Pope was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related but church-sanctioned holiday. The celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallow Mass from the Middle English All Hallow Mass Eve. I'm trying to, wow, I can't read that word. But basically, it was incorporated into the church. So what do you think about that, Greg? All of that is new to me. <laughs> you know, and I, I and again, I, as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, I didn't know about all that. Hmm. Uh, you know, so many people um, are starting to practice different things because a lot of times what they say is, I've tried this and it's not moving fast enough for me. So I see this person over here, they're doing good, but and they're following this particular faith. So let me get in this so I can start my career off. I think what this will do for me they, this will help me in my business careers, and I'll be able to do this, and I'll be able to do that. And they start joining different clubs, and they start doing different things because they figure that thing will give them an up on life. Hmm. Yes, yes. You know, I can remember when a friend of mine was trying to get me to become, um, get affiliated with a Greek organization. Mm-hmm. Because my first real experience with Greek organization as a freshman in college was, let's say it wasn't good. <laughs> okay. You know, um, and so I felt like that wasn't for me. I wasn't going to do that. That's nothing against Greeks, but it wasn't my thing. Mm-hmm. And once I graduated, a friend of mine was in Kappa Alpha Psi, and he wanted. He said, "Man, you need to be a Kappa. I'm going. I'm pledging." And you know, he was still in college. And I was like, no, it's not for me, it's not for me. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, you need to do it, you need to do it. It'll help you advance your career, you know, being affiliated with the brothers and so forth. And so he was, he kept pushing me to do it, and I just wouldn't do it. Because I said, you know, me personally, I don't need to be affiliated with anybody but Jesus, you know. And this was just in my warped mind of thinking back then, because I wasn't really following Christ like I am now. But that was always my answer. Nope, if it ain't Jesus, it ain't right. You know, and so yeah, I agree. A lot of times you do get involved with different groups, with different organizations. But you know, it's interesting. There was a person. Uh, it's one of my MySpace friends, and they're actually they are actually called Wiccans. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a whole lot about Wiccans, but I know that Halloween is one of their important holidays. Mm-hmm. You know, so. You do have a lot of people that will come on and, you know, come along and join these particular groups to try to get gain influence and gain favor. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You know, when a person is on their, on their deathbed or in, when a person is really sick or if a person is, the doctor says, you have cancer or a person receives that phone call that says, I'm sorry, but we lost her or we lost him. Or somebody shows up at your door and says, are you such and such, the parent of such and such? We just lost your child. In that time, a person that don't believe in God or don't believe in Christ, the very first thing that they will say, the very first words that will come out of their mouth, Lord, help me. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? I've heard them say, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and, and I say that to say this. You can say what you want, but at the end, every knee is going to bow. Yes, sir. He didn't say the ones that believe in me or the ones that don't believe in me or if you believe in this or if you believe in that. He said 
every knee is going to bow. And I've yet to hear a sick person on their deathbed say, devil, help me. (laughs) Or fraternity, help me. I've yet to hear that. And I'm not saying anything, and that's not to say anything bad about fraternities, but what I'm saying is the God that you're serving, that you're placing before God, I guarantee you're not calling on. Yes. When you're in that position where you can't move, when you're in a position where you, you, your child is sick, and, 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 you know, life will make a person that don't believe in God pray. Mm. Certain situations will knock you to your knees. Yes, sir. When all else fails, all when nobody else can help you, and you sit there silently and you talk to yourself and you're saying these things, who are you saying them to? It's a question. Who who are you talking to? Yes, yes. You know, Greg, I, I actually learned something else about um, the history behind Halloween that kind of caught my attention, and I'm like, I bet you nobody knows this. November 2nd is considered All Souls Day. So you have All Saints Day on the 1st, All Souls Day on the 2nd. But the biggest thing that the world is focused on is Halloween, or Hallow's Eve, which actually means Holy Eve. Hmm. Because hallowed is holy. Just like when you hear Jesus say, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So it's hallows eve or holy eve. It's the eve before all saints day and the precursor to all souls day. And this was something that the church instituted back a thousand years ago to replace the... um, the celebration of Samhain, which is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N, if you're looking up, trying to look up what Samhain is. But it was, the, it was put in place to replace those paganistic holidays and put a, a larger focus on Christ and the church. But we, for some reason, have taken the focus away from the church again and put the focus back on Halloween. And even in the effort of churches to, you know, do sort of like a, a festival for the for the kids on Halloween instead of, you know, during, you know, instead of letting them go out and trick-or-treat and walk the streets. And, you know, they even say they don't want the kids to dress up in scary masks. You know, my son is the type, he loves a scary mask. He knows Christ. He's professed Christ. He's been baptized. He says, Daddy, I have the Holy Spirit. I know who Jesus is. But he loves the scary mask, and that's just him, mm-hmm. you know. And my wife will say, "He's a kid. Let him have fun. He knows Jesus. He understands Jesus." And I always said, "Yeah, but you can't give the devil an advantage." And so we send him every, every. We don't let him go and you know walk the streets with his friends and all that stuff, you know, because we already know what happens when you get in those groups of kids, and some of them don't know Christ. Immediately they're saying. Let's trick instead of treat. Or let's trick or treat, you know. How can you do both? <laughs> you can. Because you'll get your treat and then you'll pull the trick. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> you know. But, no, I, I'll say it. Because when I was young, that's what we were taught. Even if you got a treat, pull a trick. Make sure you have some eggs and, rot. you know, sit them outside for three days and then put them in a plastic bag. And take them with you. And if they don't give you any candy, egg their house. You know, now, personally, I've only done that once. <laughs> but I was older then. I wasn't little, but I was taught that when I was little. So my mom wouldn't let us go trick-or-treating by ourselves. She'd go with us. You know, or she'd send, you know, if it wasn't her, it was an aunt. It was somebody going with us because she said, there's no way I'm letting y'all go by yourself. Because y'all get in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all follow the wrong crowd, and y'all be in jail, and I have to come get you. 
You know, I'm going to leave you in there. <laughs> but you know what? A lot of kids, they don't really understand. A lot of times they think that they're just going and getting candy. They're just putting on a costume and, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're just having fun. Uh, a lot, Their parents did it. Everybody did it. They're just going out. They're just having fun. Now, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that as long as you explain the, 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 the meaning of what it is, and you explain to the child what they're doing. Do, right. do you have any problems with someone that says, you know what, I'm going to buy my kid a costume, I'm going to let them participate and go house door-to-door in a neighborhood, in a nice neighborhood somewhere you know, that they know, and I'm just going to let them collect candy. This is just a time for them to go out and have fun and collect candy. They're not celebrating Halloween. They're not... Uh, practicing anything other than, than you know, than, than the religion or the faith that they have right now that's in Jesus Christ. Do you think or do you um, have any objections to that? You know, I think it's a, it's a personal choice. Like in my case, my children know Jesus Christ. I don't have a problem with them going out. I don't let them go out by themselves, you know. Now, when they were younger, of course, I went with them, you know, and even now, I usually go, if if I'm not there, an adult is always with them when they go. Last year they went trick-or-treating, and they went in their godmother's neighborhood. You know, and she's a Christian. She knows Christ. And they went through that neighborhood first, and then they went on to church and celebrated. And I didn't have a problem with that. I think it's when you don't teach your children the truth and you let them you know, linger in, you know, in the ignorance behind it, you know, trick-or-treat, you know, that type of thing, smell my feet, give me something good to eat, Right. you know. And then the other thing is you have to know your child. You really have to know your child. You know, if you if you know your child is prone to get in trouble, you know, or prone to go do something crazy and silly, you know, it's probably not a good idea to let him go out there, you know. But if you if you know your child is responsible enough to... One, not eat the candy until they got home. But, Brian, what about the the dangerous things that people do to the children? They put needles and razor blades and apples and, and, you know, they just do uh, evil things to the children. Why in the world would someone want to put a razor blade and an apple and a child, you know, bite down on that or, or a child eats something and it makes them sick or they may even die from it. I guarantee you if you turn the television on first thing in the morning, it happened to somebody's child. You know, and that's the unfortunate side of of any and every celebration. You have people out there that their only, you know, their only idea is to go out and hurt and maim and 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 the devil's job is to steal kill and destroy and so you know think about it we're taking a day that was his celebration day a day that people celebrated for him and we're taking it and saying we're going to give it to the lord you know what the you know how people say what the devil meant for bad god meant for good mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and you know how god you know it says you know, he'll take the foolishness and, and get praise out of it. And so here it is. You have a pagan holiday, and here it is. The Lord is getting it back. So, of course, Satan has to do something to take the focus off Christ. Mm. He has to do something to destroy the future generations. He can't let you change his thing. I could just see I could see him right now when people start calling it All Hallows Eve versus Halloween. You know, I could see him right now just getting just fed up and flaming on and wanting to burn up some of his minions because he's mad. You know, because the devil's job, he, you know, he felt like I got a great, I, I've done it. I got a holiday that people are going to celebrate me. And not even know it. And not even know it. They don't even know they're celebrating me. They're putting on devil masks. They're putting on gore and, and, you know, and 
They're, they got blood and splatter and everything out, and they don't realize they're celebrating me. But then we have a group of believers that say, not so, not so, devil, the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So then he has to bow down on his birth. Look, I call it his birthday. I know it's not his birthday, but I call it that. He got to bow down. He can't even eat cake and have fun. <laughs> because people are crashing his birthday. Well, you know what? He's always up to tricks. He's the master of them. Yeah, he's always up masquerading around, roaming to and fro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Looking for a willing vessel. Seeking whom he may devour. That's right. That's right. And, you know, the sad thing about it is, these are children. Yes. You know, the thing that I that I seen more so, I was in a, one of the local um, Halloween stores. I guess that's what they call them now. But um, you know, because my kids wanted Halloween costumes, so I went in there to see what they have because I don't like them getting scary stuff. Even though my son gets something scary every year, you know, I don't really like that. So I try to focus on things that aren't scary. You know, and I couldn't find anything. Mm -hmm. I couldn't. The only thing that I found that wasn't scary was for little itty-bitty kitties like babies and, you know, toddlers. Mm -hmm. Everything else, you know, because you got to remember, in the, my, I have a 10-year-old son. In the mind of a 10-year-old boy, he wants something that can slice, dice, and cut you up twice and, you know, because he, he's into that. He likes scary movies, you know. Right. And it's not that he doesn't know Christ. He knows Christ. Because you ask him about Jesus, and you better sit down and, and, uh, and, and get a good, comfortable chair. He'll tell you about it. You know, but it's just something about that, that, you know, as a 10-year-old boy, and most people who have been 10 years old, they can understand that. Mm -hmm. You know, he just likes, he likes the gooey stuff. You know, they play with frogs, and they... they kill bugs and squash them with the hands and, you know, look in the insides of them. That's what they do. But you know what, Brian? We're coming up on to Christmas now. Mm -hmm. We celebrate that as Christ's birthday. Yes. Well, we're supposed to be celebrating that as Christ's birthday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. This, what I'm saying is we celebrate Christmas, but around Christmas time you'll get a lot of people that will come out and say, I'm offended by this day, you have more people that will come out and, and, and protest Christmas or protest the meaning of it. And, and you know, it, it, it's really strong. Yes. But how many people have you seen that will say, I don't agree with Christmas, um, um, Halloween? How many people have you seen saying things about Halloween? You know, I've actually saw a couple. Mm -hmm. Not a whole lot. You know, because most people just say, well, I don't celebrate it. You know, I don't celebrate it. You know, but for the most part, yeah, you're right. You see a whole lot more that that do complain, oh, Christmas. It's not Christmas. Seasons, greetings. Don't say Merry Christmas to me. Mm -hmm. You know, and to me, that's that's offensive to me for you to tell me that I can't say Merry Christmas. You know? I'll, you know, I used to go around in my office and I, I would sing Christmas songs and I had uh, a person that had gotten offended because I got up to sing Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, they said that, um, well, and they tried to say it was them and somebody else that, that was offended. You know, and I'm thinking, wait a minute. I sang a Christmas song. Well, they say, well, we have some people who aren't Christian. They're Jewish. And you didn't sing any uh, Hanukkah songs. And I was like, heck, I'm not Jewish. I don't know any Hanukkah songs, you know. <laughs> if they want to get up and sing a Hanukkah song, that's fine. But I'm singing Christmas song because Jesus is the only Christ I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was just, and I just thought about that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It's Christmas time. I'm a Christian. I want to sing Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. Well. I, I remember praying at an event. Everybody was in there. And me, 
you know, I'll say I didn't know any better. But I, I have to give thanks. I, I have to do that before I eat. And I prayed. I asked everybody to bow their heads and, and I prayed. Oh, my goodness. At the end of that event, I received so many emails telling me that I don't believe, how dare you do that? I don't believe this, I don't believe this, I don't believe this. Okay. Do you think I apologize? For what? Okay. All right, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're just joining that, us, you're listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour, where our goal is to be more, do more, and have more, and to help others be more, do more, and have more. And if you have a comment or question, you can call us at 718-508-9600. That's 718-508-9600. And we have a caller on the line. And let's go to them, Greg. Go ahead. Caller from the 407 area code. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Thank you. It's Kimberly. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, what came to mind is tolerance. You know, tolerance, acceptance, and a little bit of um, compassion, you know. Because as Christians, we love, love, love the right to worship and go to church and all the things that come along with it. And we just thank God for it because in other countries, you know, you could be killed or all kind of consequences could come behind it. And we love our right and we love our freedom. And I think that some of us just get so caught up in that they forget that if you restrict others' ability to have that freedom, it could boomerang back around to us to restrict us. So that's where tolerance has to come in. Yes, we know to a, to a, uh, you know we know that it's wrong. We believe it's wrong. But like I said, we live in um, a smorgasbord world. And because of free will, um, if we are offended, <laughs> think of how God feels, but yet he still gave free will. Mm-hmm. Those that love him will hear his voice and know him and choose his way. Yeah. We can't expect everything and everybody to line up in the will of God when they, they're clearly people outside of the will of God and outside of the body of Christ. So the same thing that we want to restrict on others and say, oh, well, they shouldn't be allowed to do this, they shouldn't be allowed to do that, or participate, blah, blah, yakety yak. And also with the weeds, with the tares, he said, you know, no, I, I'm not going to uproot the system right now. I'm not going to take the good from the bad right now. Because, you know, mama might get offended that her son is clearly going to hell and she don't want to hear it. You know, she might turn away. So it's just a matter of, us learning to tolerate um, people's right to do what they do and what they feel and what they believe as well as we want them to respect us for what we believe. Yes. Let me ask you a question, though, because, you know, you use the word tolerance. And, you know, I've heard that word used a lot when people want you to accept what they believe. Now, my question is, how much tolerance should you use? You know, I mean, and when should you be tolerant? Because, you know, my faith tells me that if God is okay with it, I'm okay with it. You know, and if God's not okay with it, I can't just say, well, I'll tolerate that because that's not what my God does. And he tells me I have to follow his faith. I guess tolerance more like of being a beacon of light. Um, giving people the option to to see you and 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 evaluate you and try you and and see if your love for God is real and see if this God thing is worth taking a second look at through your through just not just your words but your action and your love towards them. See, sometimes people will just wait you out. Oh my God, they just wait you out because they're just watching, watching, watching. Because they, yes, they're waiting for you to fall and slip. So they can say, oh, I ain't nothing to it. But at the same time, they're watching because they're saying, I'm not going to leap into this faith unless I know there's some kind of realness to it. 
So they'll they'll wait you out, and then, you know, at that at that moment they'll say, "Oh my God, it, it is real. I do need God," or whatever it is, you know, the situation is. So, tolerance is more like, um, say, if if you didn't like a certain person in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. or you were prejudiced or something. Tolerance is, yes, that person has the right to live right next door to you. And when you go out your door, hey, how are you? How are you feeling today? God bless you. <laughs> you know, it's, it's letting that person be who they are, you know, and loving them. Right. Loving them anyway. That's tolerance. Yes. Kimberly, what I'm getting from you, tell me if I'm wrong, what I'm getting from you is um, we need to rely on, when we're in positions like this, we need to rely on God to give us a strategy yes. to deal with people that don't believe what we believe. And, 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 and in that, relying on God to give us every single word, because you have to be careful oh when you're goodness. dealing with yes. people, especially someone that's on the fence and they're, they're saying, you know what, I may want to try this Christian thing. I may want to try and follow behind God, but I don't know. And you're absolutely right. People will watch you. Yes. They will watch you. People are watching. And and when they see something in you, they see that light, but they can't really explain it, and people just gravitate to you. It's almost like... Uh, have you, Brad? Have you ever been in a walked in a room and everything changed? Oh yes. If if things don't change when you walk in that room, something is wrong. Or if someone says something and say, "Oh, excuse me, Kimberly, I, I'm sorry, I didn't see you sitting there," but you have a room full of people, and they curse and they say something. See, they're giving you that respect. It's a reason that they're saying and doing that. It's something that they see in you that they don't want to be disrespectful. And I think it's the light. I think they see that light in you. And people will judge you. They'll watch you when you least expect it. When you least expect or you think that your life is so bad, somebody's watching you. And I have a friend that just got a job in another city. A lot of people came up to her on her last day of work, and they said awesome things to her. You know, I don't know how we're going to manage now that you're gone. It's something in you that I saw. I don't know what it is, but you're special. So God will give us that strategy when dealing with people. And, again, we have to be careful. We can't beat someone down with what we believe. We cannot do that because that person has to accept Christ if that's what they believe. They have to accept it. They can't live off of Kimberly's faith. They can't live off of Grandma and Granddaddy's faith or Brian's faith. They can't live off of that. You have to get to know God for yourself. Absolutely. For yourself. And, Kimberly, I I, I agree with with what you said, and and you said tolerance. Um, I really believe that if we're open to the strategies and, and listening to the voice of God in those situations, God won't fail us. But, Kim, let me ask you this. If you're dealing with someone that don't believe in God or they don't believe in Christ and they're talking about committing suicide, how in the world can you talk with them? What would you say to them? Oh, that's where um, <laughs> the 12-step program helps me a lot because, my, you know, uh, my husband was um, an addict when I met him. And... Um, <laughs> I started going to more meetings than he was. I was taking his recovery more seriously than he was. And, you know, in the 12-step, they go higher power, higher power, higher power. And, boy, that kicks in. It just automatically kicks in. I say higher power. I don't put a name on it. I say, baby, there's there's many books out here that can give you the answer. And, you know, I love you. I, I, I can put you in touch with people that love and will support you beyond just words and talk. Uh, if you need me to call you, uh, come by, cook some food for you, buy some groceries. What do you, you know, I try to find out what the problem is because I, I can hold a really good conversation without even saying God once. But it's the power of love that presses through. And people get to see and know me that I have a heart because I go out of my way. 
Yes. I can be an enabler at times. Yes. Okay. That comes with being, you know, my parents being um, alcoholics. So, yes, I'm learning. There's a difference between helping and, you know, enabling someone. But if this person is ready to commit suicide and don't want to hear about God, oh, I, I'd still go on. I'd still pull every, 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 everything that I could possibly say, including if I had to qu- quote Shakespeare or Bugs Bunny or to get them to laugh. I, I, I just try to avoid, you know, any topic that could cause them to be, you know, to, to withdraw and be hurt. You know. Yes, and you know what. The reason I said suicide, you know, when we say suicide, we're looking at a person that's on top of a building and about to jump off or a person that has a gun to their head. Now, I want you to listen closely to what, to, to what I'm about to say. When I said suicide, if a person does not know God for themselves and at some point in their life they leave this world not knowing him or not acknowledging him as who he is and accepting them him into their life, that's also a form of suicide. And and a person that if you know Christ, you if you know what he's doing for you and you see a person that's down and out and you're not helping that person, it's almost as if that person is committing suicide by not accepting Christ. Oh, that's so incredible. You know why that's so incredible? Because I just got into one of the biggest, <laughs> craziest fight with uh, a pastor, a female pastor, because um, I shared at a Bible study that um, every day that I wake up, it's a struggle. And I don't wake up, you know, you know, with all of this zeal and stuff and, and that I've committed, I've, I've thought of committing suicide several times, even as, you know, saved, because life is just tough, and it's times that I just don't want to go on. It's not because I don't love God dearly, my children, or anything. It's just that some days I just like God, you know, when you know, just let me just go on with you and and end this madness, and so. She gets really highly offended when I have to tell her something. So it's a, it's it, it just amazes me the way that Christians can flip so fast because they they want to think when you say I, I don't want to be here, um, you know I thought of suicide. They want to turn that thing around on you and say, well then it's got to be a lack of trust or or you don't love God as much or something. It has nothing to do with that. I love Him so much. And I love people so much that uh, I just take on so much, and the world becomes so heavy, I forget it's God's fight, not mine. And in those moments that I forget it's God's fight, then I want to leave here. I want to go. I want to. I want to soar. I want to. I want to just go and leave this earth. And that, like I said, it has nothing to do with my love for God. Nothing. Kimberly, can I say this? Yes. You know, I thought about. Um, well, I'm going to say this first, and then I'll tell you what, what I was thinking about. Instead of using the word tolerance, patience. Yes. Patience. That's what. That's the first thing that entered my mind when you said tolerance. I thought of patience. But um, the other thing I was thinking about was when you talked about how you thought about, you thought about suicide. You thought about saying, Lord, just take me. Just get me out of here. The devil's whole plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. And the only methods he uses are thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. See, he put a thought in your head. And he'll keep putting those same types of thoughts in your head, those same types of ideas in your head. Those same types of suggestions, life too hard. You know, we ride around and we have nice houses, we have decent clothes on, and we have good cars, we have jobs, and we think life is hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, do you see how the devil works? Yeah. You'll have all this stuff at your fingertips. you got cable TV, AC, you got food in your refrigerator, more in the freezer, and more in the freezer in the back. 
and yet life is hard. You you wear shoes and you have socks to go with those shoes and they all match, but yet life is hard. See how the devil tricks your mind? Yes, I do. See how he gives you that he gives you that notion that life is too hard to live. You should just want to die. Because that's his job. Absolutely. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you and everybody that's around you. But the only way he can do it, by thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's why he wants you to celebrate this night in his name. He wants you to look just like the th- the things that represent him, like a ghoul or a goblin or a murderer or or something that's related to death because he is the death bringer. He brings death. He wants you to be the grim reaper because he wants you to be grim so he can reap you. <laughs> yes. That's why this night is his favorite night. This is his favorite night. But we... As believers, we got to crash the party. See, I said earlier that this is the devil's birthday. That's what I consider this. This is the devil's birthday. He's having a big party, and we got to crash the gate. Yes. And the only way we can crash the gate is, first of all, he's not going to really let us in if we look like Christians. So we can dress up. No problem. But when we get in there, take off the mask. Take off the mask. You know what taking off the mask means? Show him Christ. Proclaim his name. Say his name. Because guess what the devil's going to have to do at his own party? He's going to have to sit down and obey. He can't eat no cake. <laughs> because when I, when I, cause look, when he, get out, when he get ready to blow out the candles, I'm going to tell him, make a wish in Jesus' name. Oh, my God. And you see, he ain't got no power. He can't have fun at his own party. Devil, we know you listening. Guess what? In Jesus' name, have some fun tonight. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what, Kimmy? I also thought, too, that a lot of times people will get down and they will get down in the gutter. I mean, the low, low, I mean, the lowest part of their life that they can get in, they will get there and things will seem hard and they'll seem like business. It's nothing new. You've been there before. The only thing that you need to ask yourself is who are you spending your time with? You can spend your time with God or you can spend your time with the enemy. What are you focusing on the longest anyway? You know, when we start, when we get in positions like that and we're placed and we start start feeling this disconnection from God, we start feeling that our lives has no meaning, we start feeling that there's no worth, there's nothing to us, Oh, this thing is going to beat me. I'm, I'm defeated already. See, that's the kind of thinking that he wants you to be in. He wants you to be in a position that no one can help you. That's, that's where the enemy wants you. He wants you to isolate yourself from those that people like myself and Brian. He wants you to isolate yourself from uh, your pastor, someone that's trying to speak life into you. But for some reason, in some kind of way, He'll bring those people around you when you're down to just go ahead and continue beating you down further and yeah. further by yeah. saying negative things. Oh, well, yeah, that happened to me. You're, you can't do this. You can't. Oh, yeah, you're not going to get a husband. Hey, you know, why Why are you even trying this? This is dumb. If I, couldn't, if I couldn't do it, you can't do it. But, see, you need quality people in your life to say, Kimberly, guess what? It's time for you to get up from this pity party. Let's get this Bible and let's pray. Let's get this Bible. Let me show you where it says what you're going through in this scripture. And you replace that and you add your name into this scripture and you speak this thing. Because you're speaking life. You can speak life into yourself. You can speak life into your situation and you can make your own mountain move. But if you continue to just sit and not move and not do anything, God needs you to take that step. It's not your battle. You said that. You know it's not your battle. But for some reason, you still continue to feel the way that you feel. But once you start 
realizing and you start studying and you start seeking God, you start seeing things a lot more clearer. So I say to you, when you're in a position like that, seek him even harder. Run behind him. Hold on to him. Fight, wrestle, do whatever you have to do to hold on to what you believe. And I really, really, I believe that you're on the right track because the enemy is striking now. That lets you know that you're on the right track. Yes, yes. Greg, I want to say this right quick. Mm-hmm. You know, at, when you when you talked about striking and holding on and fighting, scratching, kicking, it made me think about Jacob when he wrestled with the angel. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Yeah. And see, right now, that could be your situation. You know, listeners out there, that could be your situation. Right now, you could be wrestling with that angel, mm-hmm. and you don't even know it. Mm-hmm. You're going through something, you know. You don't have enough money to pay your rent. You don't have a good enough job. You don't have a car. You don't have a family. You know, somebody's taken something from you. Somebody may have stolen your childhood. Somebody may have, you know, stolen your virginity. Somebody may have stolen your peace. And now you're worried that you can't do anything. You're worried that nobody's going to respect you. You want, you're worried that nobody's going to honor you. You know, there may be a woman out there that had been raped, you know, or molested, and you're thinking right now, no man's going to want me. There may be a man out there that's been molested or raped, and you're thinking, if I tell somebody this, no woman's going to want me. You know, you may be in a situation where you... You know, you made some bad choices, and, and you have three kids now, and they all have different fathers, you know. Or you're a man, and you got five or six kids out there, and they all have different mamas, you know. And you're thinking, well, now I want to be able to serve Christ. But you got all this baggage, and you got all this stuff hanging over your head. You know, my God tells me that he forgives you, but you have to forgive yourself first. That's right. Whatever you're going through, you have to forgive yourself first. See, because, look, if God can forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? You know, you've gone through struggle. You've gone through strife. You've been addicted to drugs. You've been addicted to alcohol. You've been addicted to sex. You've been addicted to being addicted. (laughs) You know, but the Bible says he who am set free is free indeed. Yes. So you have to, so once you're set free, don't allow thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to bind you again. Because that's all it is. That's all it is. Tell me, how many people have really seen the devil? Everybody thinks he's he's got horns and a pitchfork. That's not the devil. That's a figment of your imagination. I don't remember anywhere in, in the Bible that it said, now if it's in there, I had not seen it yet. <laughs> But I don't remember anywhere where it said the devil had a pitchfork and horns and a tail with a fork on it and all that stuff. You know, I've never seen that. So why do people think that the devil's going to stick them with a pitchfork and he's got a whole bunch of demons flying around? And, you know, we don't know what a demon looks like. We just got a good idea from, you know, for somebody back in the, you know, Old days had written and drawn up a picture. This is what a devil looked like. This is what an angel looked like. You know? Also, Brian, I'll say this. And the life that a lot of us are living, Brian, you know what I'm going to say. The life that you're living, I guarantee you, is the life that you're speaking. Yes. The life you're living is the life that you're speaking. I guarantee you. See, because you cannot rise above your words. I'll say that again. You cannot rise above your words, meaning you cannot speak negativity and live a positive life. No, sir. How can you? No, sir. What are you saying to yourself when you're faced with situations? What are you saying? 
A lot of us are saying, I'm defeated already. I've already, my, I, I, I give up. Yeah. How am I going to do that? Yeah, you're I a soldier. resources. Yeah, you're a soldier in the Army. But yet we give up as soon as, before the fight even starts, a lot of us, we give up. As soon as we see the, the fight coming. Yes, yes. So, Kimberly, did you have any, Kimberly, did you have anything else that you want to say to us, or, or just just feel free to say whatever? Okay. Well, you're so right about the connections and the people that we be around, because for the longest time, I separated myself from a lot of family, and I felt kind of guilty of it. But yet, they weren't living right, and and I knew how I wanted to raise my girls. And I knew the kind of things that I wanted them to see and experience. And so I separated myself from a lot of people. And um, I got to this thing of, you know, like I said, enabler, people-pleasing type of thing. And I get committed to people who bring all that negative to me. I mean, you know, I trust that they're Christians and they love God and, and I go with zeal and, you know, excitement and I tell, you know, talk, talk, talk and all I can do is shoot down and, you know, discourage. And because I have developed this unhealthy bond with them, oh, that's my friend. I'm going to keep calling them and keep going to see them. But today, just today with that Miss Rosa incident, I said, no, no, ma'am, I'm not. I said um, to my daughter, I said, okay, well, because she deleted me as a friend on MySpace. I delete you as a friend on my MySpace. I said, amen. I said, maybe, you know, it's time that I just start taking out the trash because I have too many people around me that are not for me and that really don't love me. I had a good friend on, on MySpace. She said, honey, that doesn't sound like a friend. She said, if you had to tell this woman something positive that could help her and she turn on you, she said, that's not a friend. And I have to learn. I'm learning that I don't have to keep everything and everybody in my circle. And I need to get these voices from, from out, you know, inside my head um, condemning me every five minutes because that is not a Christian and that is not love. Um, I'm not going to say it's not Christian, but I, it's, it's not coming from a good loving place. And I need to learn to let go, um, like I said, let go of the trash and just look and, you know, ask God to bring into my life good people. You know what, Emily? There is a time when we have to let some people go. When it starts to burden you the way that this thing is, it comes a time when you have to say enough is enough. God didn't bring everybody in your life to stay the entire time. Again, there's a time when you have to let some people go. You'll know when that time is right. You'll know when it's time to let that person go. But the beautiful thing is, tonight is the night that you can give all of this over to the Lord. Tonight is the night that you can confess and say, you know what, Lord, I have faith in you that you're going to take care of this. This is no longer my fight. I've tried to deal with it in my own way. But I need you at this point. I can't do anything. I can't do anything to to make this right. Give him a chance. Try him. Give him a chance. Brian, we have about a minute left. Did you have any closing remarks? Wow. I'm just listening to you, and I'm saying, he's he's. I, I mean, I echo everything you say because that's so true. You know, this is the night where you have to give it over to him. He said, the battle is not yours. It's his. If you, if you even follow the stories in the Bible, every time they tried to do something of themselves, it did not work. When Moses hit the rock, it brings forth the water. water. Not what God told him to do. The water came out, but as a result, because he was disobedient, he didn't follow what God said. He never got to see the promised land. You know, it's just like when they when God told them to walk around Jericho. When they did what he said, they didn't have to lift a finger. You know, and so you have to give that battle over to the Lord. Because that because if you haven't won it by the, at the first strike, you can't win it. 
see, like, if, if anybody knows anything about, like, uh, martial arts, usually they tell you, if you throw more than five blows, you fought too long. With that being said, you have been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. And devil, we have rained on your parade tonight. We thank you all for listening, and God bless you. Good night.